Welcome to A Sense of Place, a podcast of the Housatonic Heritage Oral History Center at Berkshire Community College. The coronavirus pandemic has had a catastrophic impact on the health and economic security of hundreds of millions of people around the world. In the United States, more than 40 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits during a 10-week period in the spring of 2020. Some workers have stayed on the job to provide essential services such as health care. In April, we interviewed some of these frontline workers about their experiences in this time of COVID-19. Emergency room physician Dr. Jennifer Nichol is one such essential worker. She was interviewed by Judith Monachina. My name is Dr. Jennifer Nichol. I am an emergency department physician at uh, Fairview Hospital in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. It's very different from any other ER I've ever seen uh, in a good way. Most emergency uh, departments are understaffed and um, just full to the brim, uh, including the waiting room, because there aren't as many patients and there aren't as many rooms and we are quite well staffed. Providers and nurses get to spend a lot more time with individual patients. So less wait time, more individual attention makes Mm -hmm. everybody happier. We're all shift workers in the ER, and we rotate through different shifts. Um, But sort of the standard shift for me would be starting at 7 a.m. So usually in the mornings, it wasn't too busy. We get busier around 11 almost always um, for some reason. Couldn't tell you why. There was an after-dinner rush as well that we sort of expected, Um, and then oftentimes around 9 o'clock or so. But uh, generally, unless it was a skiing weekend or uh, you know school break or summer, um, there would be periods of downtime in, in between the sort of the peaks. So now I wake up a little bit earlier just to make sure that I have all of the things that I want to bring with me, um, which include three layers of clothing pretty much so I'll have my scrubs and then now I'll I'll sort of put on a a sweater as an extra layer and um, a white coat or a gown of some kind to just to further sort of protect me wear a cloth surgical cap and a a full face respirator which basically looks like a gas mask I wash my hands when I walk in the door I put on gloves. I get um, these these germicidal wipes that are uh, carcinogenic, so you have to wear gloves to handle them. And I wipe down everything that I think I am going to be touching the most during the day, including the top of my seat, my keyboard and computer mouse, the phone, the buttons on the phone, the, the you know, the adjacent computer, um, mouse and such because that's where we review uh, radiology images uh, and then I take those gloves off and I wash my hands again and I put on new gloves <laughs> and then I can sign into my computer and, and start seeing patients people aren't happy at work they're not joking around there's a lot of anxiety you know anytime we get a call from EMS or we hear somebody checking in at the front to, you know or like, is it going to be COVID? Overall, the volume is down significantly because I think people are kind of afraid to be in the hospital, which is a totally legitimate 
concern. The whole day can be very, very slow, just anxiety-filled, but slow. Or we can get one respiratory patient or two or three. And it's like that that just absorbs all of the energy in the department. At the beginning of the sort of awareness of the pandemic, there was this map um, that was updated in real time uh, and created by Johns Hopkins. But at that time, you know, we were just watching it every day, like, okay, there aren't any cases in Massachusetts yet. Okay, now there's cases in Boston. Okay, now there's a case in Springfield. Oh, they have them in Pittsfield now. And once that started, policies started changing. At first, it was multiple times a day. Just things that we've never, ever had to think about before. Personal protective equipment can include masks, gloves, gowns, hair coverings. Sometimes in uh, extreme circumstances, you'll see people in essentially hazmat costumes. The, The white coveralls are pretty typical. I can say that I've had, that I know for sure that I've had uh, both, you know, kind of like healthy or low risk, minimal symptoms, uh, COVID patients, as well as critical ones. I've intubated a COVID patient. Uh, I mean, that's the most worrying, certainly. We have, again, just the entire atmosphere of, of our ER has changed as a result of this. Intubation is to put in a a breathing tube, um, which some people are requiring. And then you put them on a ventilator, which is another um, piece of equipment people are talking a lot about. Through that process, you're basically um, just directly exposing yourself to the patient's airway. And all of these airborne aerosolized particles are coming right at your face. Luckily, we haven't had enough volume at Fairview to to really have the... um, protocol kind of down pat. So there's always a little bit of scrambling. The patient I had that I intubated, Mm -hmm. that patient's nurse stayed at least an hour over the end of her shift. She didn't have to. It wasn't that busy. She could have passed it on, but she had been communicating constantly with the patient and the patient's family and um, felt like just like she had to, she had to stay and she had to be there for them. So that's been very poignant as well. Hearing people say thank you, that just didn't happen that much before. Um, and now it's like, like, oh, wow, you're like really, you know, you're sort of risking your life every day, aren't you? Like, yeah, I sort of am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you for the thanks. You know, it's, it's nice. How do you take care of yourself? How do you take care of your emotionally, too? Talking is important. Talk to my spouse in, in general terms about what's going on and also other doctors and also you know the the fantastic staff that I'm working mm-hmm. with every day, um mm-hmm. on these same patients what's nice is that the the communication although now it's not in person now it's by phone is just more in depth with the patient's family members to the mm-hmm. point that they will call us a day to mm-hmm. later and let us know you know how how people are doing I'm very lucky in that my my home is on a good amount of land. So when it's nice mm-hmm. out, I can sort of lose myself in nature. I have a screened-in porch, which is which I use as my I don't know tertiary decontamination <laughs> decontamination zone. 
So I take everything everything off before I walk in the, the actual front door to my house. I leave my shoes out there. I leave the clothes out there for at least uh, a couple days before touching them again to put them in the wash. And uh, I walk in the house. I immediately go in the shower. And when I get out, if I still have any energy left, I put on gloves again and I take those decontamination wipes and I wipe down everything that I think I may have touched on the way in. So that's what I do now. When I get some good old-fashioned emergency medicine patient, I, uh, it sort of gives me a little pick-me-up. Like, oh, this. I know how to do this. <laughs> I like doing this. But I don't think anyone really expected or thought that, uh, you know, unless they were, uh, you know, into virology and Ebola research or something, I don't think any of us thought that we would be dealing with a, a pandemic of this magnitude ever. I mean, I wasn't military. I've never been a cop. I've never mm-hmm. sort of had the um, the mindset that going to work was dangerous before. Dangerous and stressful and um, more uncertain than it's ever been because everything other than COVID that we know of, we know enough about to protect ourselves and to adequately treat people. We have increasingly educated guesses, but that's it. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, there's always a lot of anxiety before going to work and a lot of relief once I'm home and clean. Uh, my wife is 23 weeks pregnant. It's our first child. We're very, very excited. It's yeah. wonderful to have that, um, you know, kind of always in, in the back of my mind. It's a, a catastrophe of such a momentous scale that I, I would hope that there would be some significant change as a result of what we're all going through right now, politically and medically, you know, within the hospital system and the healthcare system, I guess. As a species, we bounce back and we are very adaptable. Ultimately, we'll be fine. And I'm hoping that sort of the natural order of things will correct itself. But yeah, I mean, I think that in in the States especially, we've gotten super complacent and like almost cocky about our ability to, I don't know, predict our own futures and, you know, mm-hmm. navigate the system that we've sort of built over the mm-hmm. century. It would be nice to be more, more thoughtful about things in mm-hmm. general. That was emergency room physician Dr. Jennifer Nichol speaking with Judith Monachina. Our thanks to the University of Massachusetts Library Special Collections, which will archive this project and make it available online, and to Dan Bedega for the music. You can hear more interviews at www.theoralhistorycenter.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Mills.